Hello, I'm your host, Aaron Ripmaster. This is Diz Dad's podcast number 604 for Sunday, September 8th, 2019. Tonight, I'm joined in the man cave by Dave Adams. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Terry Hawkins. Howdy, y'all. And Tim Hicks. Why is the rum always gone? Well, because Terry got there first. No! Well, we have a rum of bourbon. <laughs> so, uh, uh, tonight, <laughs> once we figure out what we're drinking, uh, we're going to get into a discussion of new Walt Disney World dining opportunities since we last talked. But before we get into that discussion, I do need to give a quick shout out to our podcast sponsor, Mouse Master Travel. Mouse Master Travel is an authorized Disney vacation planner, and Mouse Master agents would love to take care of the stressful parts of vacation planning so that you can focus on the fun. You can check them out at mousemastertravel.com. All right, and now we're going to toss it to Don Donfris for This Week in Disney History. Hi, Disney Ohana. This is Don Donfris with your favorite segment, This Week in Disney History. Today, for the week of September 8th. September 8th, 1998, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride in Walt Disney World permanently closes to become The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. It was one of the park's opening day attractions. On September 8, 2004, Frank Thomas, Disney legend and one of Walt's nine old men, passes away at the age of 92. On September 9, 1973, Disneyland's General Electric Carousel of Progress closes. It will be moved to Walt Disney World. On September 10, 1998, the U.S. Post Office issues a 32-cent stamp depicting Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. 2009, Walt Disney Company President Bob Iger launches the first-ever D23 Expo. In 2015, Disney announces that ground will be broken on Star Wars-themed lands at Disneyland and Disney's Hollywood Studios. 9-11-2001 Following the terrorist attacks on the Pentagon World Trade Center and the plains over Pennsylvania, Walt Disney World and Disneyland closed without an incident. At Walt Disney World, cast members in all four parks are instructed to hold hands and form a human wall and gently, without touching the guests, walk toward the hub of each park and eventually toward the exit. This calmly forces all guests out of the parks and it takes less than 30 minutes to evacuate the parks. Disneyland never opened because of the time difference. All the Disneyland resort, food, and beverage stations remained open and no charge for all the guests. The MC theaters showed free Disney films for all the stranded guests. Michael Eisner released a statement to the cast members explaining the Disney closings. He ends his note with these words. Finally, let me say our company around the world will continue to operate in this sometime violent world in which we live, offering products that reach to the higher and more positive side of the human equation. 9-12-1986, Captain EO opens at Epcot. And in 2005, Hong Kong Disneyland opens. 
Well, that's all for this week. Till next time, this is Don Donfris with This Week in Disney History. Thanks, Don. That segment's always a favorite. So, guys, um, it's been a little while since we've talked in a dedicated way about dining at Walt Disney World, and it's been a really dynamic space over the last you know, year or so, which is how long we've been gone. Uh, a lot has happened in Disney Springs, but there's been a surprising, to me at least, amount of, of change and update of restaurants in Disney resort hotels in particular. Um, so I thought maybe we'd start with the resort hotels and, and then maybe get to, to Disney Springs. Sound good? Sounds like a plan. All right. So the one that I think got the most sort of news attention, uh, in, at least in the fan community, was the somewhat surprising changeover of Artist Point in Disney's Wilderness Lodge. Uh, it had been a, a signature dining restaurant, but closed. And after a fairly brief sort of refresh, reop- who wants to get us started? What, what do you think about this change to uh, Snow White dining at the Wilderness Lodge? I'll kick it off. Actually, I, I, I've tried to get. I've been there three times to Disney World since since they've made this change, and I tried to get a reservation, and it's impossible to be honest with you. Uh, I've even stayed at Wilderness Lodge, and it was incredible because where I stayed, I can actually peer into Artist Point as you're walking into the room, and I can see all the characters. the The food options seem a little weird. To me, if you're going to make it a character dining, you kind of want to cater more to kids. And it it seems like it's more of a adult-themed food option. But being one of the only places you can meet the Wicked Stepmother or the the, the Wicked Queen, it's it's almost a must-do if you can find a reservation. Yeah, you know, it's a good point because this is the second, really, of the recent – character meal additions at Walt Disney World that are very, very difficult reservations to get simply because they only offer the experience for one meal, right? I mean, it's just dinner for this storybook dining, and then it's just breakfast um, for for the Bon bon Voyage breakfast um, over uh, in uh, – Trattoria Al Forno. Ah, there we go. Trattoria Al Forno. Yep, that's the one. Drawing a blank. Okay. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the second one in a row where it's only offered one meal a day, which makes it automatically a, a high demand reservation because, you know, there are a limited number of reservations available. Um, right. Anybody else have, have any thoughts about the storybook dining taking over for uh, signature dining at an artist point? Well, I'll jump in here. I've been kind of quiet here for a second. It, it just seems unusual to me that they would take in a place that was as popular as Artist Point was and and created a, a different experience with it. And and granted, I understand you've got to rebirth, you know, your ideas every so often, but I'm I'm curious as to whether or not, you know, there there was this impression that there was an extreme lack of character dining experiences. And, and be that as it may, I mean the 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 food there um, is. I mean, you, you're you're looking at you know prime rib, you're looking at grilled chicken, you know, you're looking at things that are really uh, really delicious. It just uh, it it floored me that they felt a need to to really change the theming of that restaurant. What what are you thinking about the 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 lack of character dining experiences? Is that something that you've heard a lot of, Aaron? 
Um, you know, not necessarily so much, although I, I think part of what we're getting is, and, and, uh, Really, it's relevant to what we were just talking about with Trattoria al Forno, um, and we're going to talk about, as we talk more about resort dining, um, I do think that they're making some effort to bring some of the these character dining experiences um, you know, out of the parks and into the resort hotels. Um, I think there are a couple of different reasons for that. I think one is that, that you've got locals who can now have a princess meal as a special occasion meal with their kids without having to buy a park ticket. Right. And Disney's fine with that because frankly, those folks who are choosing to do that, a good proportion of those are probably pass holders anyway. Um, and they just assume they don't, they not come into the park, right? They'd, they'd rather, they just go to the resort. Um, and I also think that it's just a recognition that, you know, it, it's a capacity thing, right? How do you how do you expand park capacity? Well, one of the ways you expand park capacity is that you take people who are just hanging out in the park, and you get them out of it. <laughs> so, if you can have those folks who are doing princess dining at Wilderness Lodge across the way instead of in another place in Magic Kingdom, how much better, right? Because that's five people dining at at Artist Point or five people who aren't in a park. <laughs> Right. Distribution of the crowds. Exactly. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So I think that's a piece of it, too. It's also, I don't mean to step on anybody's toes here, but that's something that I kind of want to think about, too, with this. Why would they put Snow White in Wilderness Lodge? There's nothing that, grand northwestern that, that, about that, Snow that, White. That's my entire point with with this one that I don't understand. It's not like you don't have a Disney princess who is from the Pacific Northwest, right? No, they take a Disney princess from Germany and put her in the Pacific Northwest. Take, I mean, that's the whole reason Walt wanted the utility doors was so that you don't (laughs) do exactly what they've done with this. See, and, and I think that I think that their take on it is that the woods are the woods, right? See, yeah. Okay, so she's, because no. because the reality is that the kids who are fans don't don't know that Snow White is in the Black Forest. The woods are the woods. The woodland creatures are woodland it's creatures. Exactly, yeah. and and the Wilderness Lodge is. You know, they're, they cut down a bunch of trees to do the expansion, but the trees are growing back. It's probably the most wooded of the, the Disney resorts. You know, they still have nature view rooms there, which they don't have most places because they look out over well-maintained. I don't know, forest is a little uh, uh, grasping a little, but, but, you know, there's woods. Um, and, and I think Pacific that's it. Pacific Northwest. It's not. I, I Germany. agree. I, I agree. I hear you, but I think that their interpretation but, is that the woods are the woods, and you got seven huntsmen. That, that's a reach, I think. But yeah, I think it's a big reach. I mean, they, they, they. The reality is, they stuck it in there because they knew that they'd take Artist Point, which, which wasn't having the, the as not making as much money as they they thought it should. And so they look for the most popular character that they could stick in there that would jam it full at capacity for the next number of years and uh, the overall story be damned on it. 
you know, they just rammed it through because they knew that it would sell out. And they didn't want to take a chance that Pocahontas might might not sell out there. Well, and there's there's they couldn't put Pocahontas there because if you've I know we're getting into something that's not on this subject, but if you've looked, they're putting Pocahontas in the new reflections. So they couldn't put that in in Wilderness Lodge because they'd have it somewhere else. Right. Yeah. They they were holding Pocahontas for someplace else. And again, I mean, I don't I don't want to discount the fact that it is a little jarring and, and that was my initial reaction too, that it didn't really fit. But I think if you take a step back and you look at the 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 look, right? You put aside the fact that you know already that it's that that look is designed after a Pacific Northwest hunting lodge, and you just look at it for what it is, and you think about the cottage in in Snow White, right, and its setting and the sort of rustic look. I mean. Is it? It's not a perfect fit, but it fits better than it would fit at any other Walt Disney World Resort Hotel. But they could have put it into reflections and modeled reflections. Well, but 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 then it wouldn't fit at all because reflections is like super modern, right? Very sleek, straight lines. It 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 wouldn't have had the the woodsy, rustic vibe. But they're putting Pocahontas over there. I, is that I what Dave you. said? I so, hear you. I mean, I'm, I'm just I'm no, just no. Like, I, I hear you. I mean, the, this goes I think, against everything that uh, the, you know. The whole reasoning of the utilidors it's it's jarring people out. Um, sure, you know, little kids may not know or understand, but their parents do, and they're as they grow older, they'll understand that the woods are not the woods. There's woods all over the world. That doesn't right. mean. You know, you can't stick Mulan in there because, you know, part of the show's in woods. Like, well, <laughs> it's a different... And, and if we're really getting into to things, Disney is growing more not towards kids. Everything Disney has done lately, everything Bob Iger has done lately is more towards the adults at Disney. So I don't think we can use the excuse anymore of the kids don't see it as this. Because what Disney is doing is it's really catering more towards the the families now and not just the kids. Well, I mean, I would agree that they're catering more towards the families. But I also think that – that and, and this kind of starts getting us farther afield in a couple other different directions. But – I think that maybe in ways that are a little bit more subtle, they've they've also worked to include, you know, more things for younger kids. And, and the best example off the top of my head is they were making this huge investment at Hollywood Studios in Galaxy's Edge, but somewhere lost in the shuffle to some extent is the fact that, you know, they built Toy Story Land with – the most thrilling coaster with a a height requirement as low as it is that I've seen anywhere, um, and everything there is kid friendly, and we still have Mickey and Minnie's Runner, Runaway Railway coming that's kid friendly. So, right. so there's there's I mean, yes, they're pulling some levers to make some things more attractive to adults, but I, I do think that there's still an interest in balancing it, and frankly, I think that's part of what we're seeing and part of what we saw with Wilderness Lodge because. There's a lot of signature dining across the lake from Magic Kingdom. A lot of it. Yeah. 
And I think that Wilderness Lodge just wasn't pulling the crowd because the adults who were looking for signature dining were going to the to the Grand Floridian. They were going to to California Grill. You know, they they were going to uh, uh, other places. You know, they were they were going to the Boardwalk rather than going to Wilderness Lodge. And I think the bottom line was that that Artist Point as a signature restaurant just wasn't filling itself. Yeah, I think I think it goes back to what what we discussed last week when we met that this is an accounting win. Putting Snow White in is a win for the accountants. It's not a win for the Imagineers or the stories, right? They know the accountants won this battle, and uh, I'd I'd really like to know what the Imagineers and the other cast members won what they what they traded this away to get because <laughs> that's a good question good point good point yep I I, I think you, you I think there's a lot of that going on right now and I I I don't think it's the the best fit but if if by taking by putting Snow White into Wilderness Lodge um we got Oga's Cantina or, well, extra theming in, in Galaxy's Edge. I'll, I'll take that trade, I guess. <laughs> well, and let's be honest. The, the restaurant here is only a little bit about Snow White because there were other places you could meet Snow White. This is about the dwarves. It is yeah. absolutely about the dwarves because and I think it's only grumpy and dopey that you can meet if I'm right. But they're the most, they're the ones who are always the most popular anyway. And, and before this restaurant, the only way to meet them was to go to a party. Right. So, you know, that, that's what this was really about. It's, it's leveraging those characters in a way that they weren't being leveraged at all. Um, all right. Well, as long as we're we're on this topic of resort restaurants, um, let's bounce from a refresh of of a restaurant in the Magic Kingdom area to um, a refresh of a restaurant in the moderate category. Um, a, a restaurant that had long been a whipping boy of of many podcasts, including this one, um, Shutters at uh, Caribbean Beach Resort was mercifully put out of its misery uh, and replaced with Sebastian's Bistro. So what are we hearing about feedback on Sebastian's Bistro? Honestly, I hadn't heard anything about it. In fact, I'm sitting here Googling as we talk just because a lot of people I know try to stay away from Caribbean Beach just because of all the construction that's been going on there lately. Uh, But with everything coming up, I think this is going to be one that everyone's going to try to flock to because all the construction is going to go to the other moderate, the other moderate resorts. Anybody else hearing anything at all, one way or the other, about Sebastian's? I haven't heard a lot about it. What I've seen on the menu looks interesting to me. I'm because because I'm a I'm a fan of the island flavors. So right. yeah. you're looking at you know jerk chicken, for example. That's one of my favorite things in the whole world. Um, and th- th- they've got a really good looking menu. Yeah, it's I mean, something I, I would like to go over there and try. I, I I had hoped to stay at Caribbean Beach in this last trip, and it just we we were somewhat at at Disney's mercy because of the way I was booking it, and um, so Caribbean Beach wasn't an option. We ended up at at uh, 
Port Orleans, which I mean, we loved, but um, That's one of the favorite. reasons I wanted to be at, at Caribbean Beach is that I wanted to try the the new restaurants there because, like I said, I mean, this is they've totally redone dining at Caribbean Beach Resort, um, and I, I'm with you, Tim. I think the the menu is fantastic. I, I really feel like they they got it right, you know, matching a, a great menu with the the resort and its feel. Um, so far, you know. Some of the reviews have still been a little mixed, but most of the negative reviews I've seen were mostly related to the kinds of like sort of service issues that you often get in the first month or so of a new restaurant, right? The things where, you know, the, the wait staff wasn't necessarily familiar with some of the serving procedures or they didn't necessarily get things out as quickly as they should have with certain you know, certain entrees needed to get out faster, that kind of thing. Um, but overall, um, I think that the reviews have been fairly positive and more importantly, um, they have been a lot more positive than what had deteriorated to just a joke of an experience at Shutters. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. I, I, you know, you're talking about the menu earlier. I'm sitting here looking at it now. I've never thought to do coconut shrimp and grits. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah, I mean, that makes that sounds right? amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm um, going down to Disney in November. That might be a place I I try to go to eat. I mean, we're not staying at Caribbean, but I, I right coconut shrimp and grits. Yeah, sign me up. And see, to me, that's a real win, right? That's a sign of something. Where, I mean, how many times do have you considered making a trip to a resort for a, a meal, and it was a moderate resort? There's only been once, and that's just because my family loves boat rides. Okay. But beyond that, you're right. That That's not normally my first thought. But did you go to boat rides because you were staying at Port Orleans, or did you make a special trip to Port Orleans to eat at boat rides? We actually made a special trip to eat at boat rides. Oh, okay. Okay. That's just, that's just like I said, because we, we love that Southern Louisiana-style food. Sure. Um, and and I also like that that maybe to Terry's point, They've also done a nice job with the theming there, right? They didn't give us a restaurant that looked like it could have been a a um, you know fast casual in your suburban strip mall, right? It, it really is themed to its environment. It's very open. You get views of that beautiful lake there. Uh, it's open and airy. It's it's got that island vibe still, though it's all covered in air conditioned. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, uh, you know, to, to that point, we got good theming. We got a, a menu that hits the right notes in terms of reflecting what the resort is supposed to be about. Um, I just feel like this one is, even if the food is maybe a little uneven here or there, uh, you know, and we'll find out as it has a little more time to develop, but even if it's a little hit and miss, you know, that's going to happen. It's a moderate resort. It's not a, a deluxe resort, but uh, it, it's a definite step in the right direction. And and maybe if we're lucky, it's the beginning of, of sort of pushing the moderate resort table service restaurants to up their game in the same way that the deluxe resorts were pushed to up their game in their table service restaurants. That well, to the really thing that nice. you were talking, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm jumping all over you here. Oh, that's okay. Uh, I was just saying that that would be really nice if they start start to do that. I think I think that's one of the uh, my most favorite changes in the past years with Disney is is how they've upped the food game. So it, it's nice to see it 
coming out to to uh, the moderate resorts will will. I'm I'm looking at the menu here too, and I'm thinking uh, next trip we may have to make a, a a journey over there to give it a try. And they have drinks with umbrellas. I mean, you can't go wrong, right? Right. No, I'm thinking it's a it's a space that is ripe for the for the taking. You know, when you think about it, you it's one thing to you know, okay, everybody wants to do a Hana. You know, everybody wants to do the you know the experiences in the deluxe restaurant or the deluxe hotels. I mean, but if you're looking at the moderate um, resorts. And your only real choice is a, a fast, casual dining type experience. But, oh, hey, wait a second. Now, all, all of a sudden, you've got something like this where you can go in and have something as simple as, you know, as wings, you know, for a little snackage or uh, or come in, you know, after the parks and, and, or, and if it's still open, depending on the hours and have, uh, you know, something like their, uh, the, the key lime pie. Oh, my God, I love key lime pie. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's something that. Something that I think, you know, people that are staying there at the moderate resorts can say, hey, why don't we go back to the to the hotel and have, you know, have that place that we saw on our way out. That looked really good. Uh, it's another distribution of, of the of the crowd, right? Right, right. And and I love that it's a menu that is not totally dumbed down. I mean, right. you know, it, it's got it's got everything from. Caribbean vegetable curry, okay, you got something to feed the vegetarians, but I mean, it's 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 hearty. It's there's something to it, um, and it's not just that. That's not the only vegetarian entree. They also have jerk butternut squash. Mm. Creative, interesting. Um, you know, they've got a steak for twenty eight dollars. That's not bad. I mean, you pay that at a normal restaurant. Yeah, yep. exactly. Um, you know, I mean, it's a grilled skirt steak, but it. it it's going to be flavorful. It's chimichurri steak. I mean, it, it, I like that it's it's priced appropriately for a, a moderate resort, but it's not, as we keep saying, it, it's not just uh, fast casual food. Right. Um, okay. So, so I think maybe we've belabored Sebastian's enough. Um, <laughs> I, I'm still hey, a little a, confused. Anything that takes the place of the Shutter's experience is <laughs> Not going to oh, be a bad thing, right? That just makes me shudder. Thank you. Oh, oh, It had to be said. I, I will say, I, I still do not entirely understand the the continuing effort to shoehorn Finding Nemo into Caribbean Beach Resort. Um, I mean, aside from the crab who has the Caribbean accent, it never made sense to me, but maybe that's no. just me. It doesn't make sense to me either. I mean... If you're doing Caribbean Beach, why? I mean, Sebastian makes sense to me. Yeah, but the rest of it doesn't, right? The the rest of no. the Little Mermaid, you know, not at all. Yeah, just make it all about Sebastian's. Just make everything about Sebastian. You know, but do a spinoff of Little Mermaid and, and talk about Sebastian's experience. Then you've got something to work with here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll take uh, I'll take the rights on that Disney. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> be careful bob might be listening all right so uh as long as we're on the topic of moderate resort restaurants let's turn our attention to uh coronado springs resort the other moderate resort where there's been a lot of construction effort going on and with the opening of the grandestino tower that means we also got the opening of their new um 
new table service for you know Caribbean or for Coronado Springs Resort, but specifically um, built for the the tower, um, and that's Toledo in the in Grand Destino Tower. Holy um, Toledo! <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tim, talk to us about Toledo. Oh my gosh, that is that is one interesting experience for a foodie. So, I mean, if you're, if you're a foodie, you know, you guys are listening and you want, you want to try these interesting, uh, small plate experiences, go in and try that, uh, uh, that charred octopus dish they've got. Uh, I challenge you. It's, <laughs> it's, that doesn't sound not, appetizing to me, it, it, but it's on the other hand, it is much more interesting than you might think. Uh, and that's the thing is this is a, this is a place where all the small plates are, uh, they are artsy fartsy. I mean, they are uh, they are exactly what they say it is. It's small plates. It's tapas. It's it's things that they uh, have more of the artistic flair for you know for the 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 chefs and the discriminating palate than you know than the mass you know I'm hungry. Give me lots of food. You know, <laughs> it's a, it's a different kind of an experience, but with a definite uh, Spanish flair on things. But uh, yeah, that was probably the most interesting thing I saw was the the, the grilled octopus. That's um, right. So they do the charred, the charred octopus, octopus, but they do so they they essentially have two menus, right? They've got their regular dinner menu, and then they have a tapas menu that's separate. Um, and the, all the tapas yeah, and, and, dishes are are served. Yeah, that's where I, that's where I live. I love tapas, so right. um, that's that's what I'm paying attention to. And and they're all both sort of portioned and priced to be purchased and shared, right? So the, the, um, what they call entrees on the tapas menu are all, uh, about what, about two thirds of the price or maybe even less than that, just over half the price of the regular entrees, but they're designed to be, to be passed around and shared. Um, so you get two or three different ones with the people you're traveling with and you share and everybody tastes and, and basically an amuse bouche for each person, right? Just a little taste of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, it's interesting to me that we're getting that opening at Grandesino Tower sort of just on the heels of a restaurant we're going to start talking about in just a minute, which is Haleo, which stakes its, you know, is among the best tapas restaurants in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, By the way, I've got, I've got the menu pulled up. The charred octopus is $15. Yes, but hey, I mean, it's it is what it is. <laughs> it's yeah. charred octopus. It's it's, but it's interesting and, and it's served with a, uh, a, a um, what's the sauce? A chimichurri. Yeah, it's yeah. A chimichurri. That, that I think you would. It's actually quite tasty. What I like about it is that it's a, a restaurant that is not a. It's not designed to feed you and get you out. Right. Right. It's exact opposite. It's a restaurant that's designed for you to just hang out. Well, that's, that's another we, we, Right. We were talking earlier about Disney trying to find ways to get people out of the parks and still in the Disney bubble. Well, here you go. You've got this, you've got Haleo. And now these are two hour experiences. They're not just, like you said, they're not just sit down meals. These are experiences. I'd say two to three hours. Well, if you're two to three hours at a restaurant, that's two to three hours you're not in the park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. But, I mean, you know, Terry, you just got back from a trip where ha- how many times did you intentionally find places to hang out for two or three hours instead of in a park? Um, 
Well, at least one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Uh, let's see. I was there seven days, so about four of those. Um. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this is this is my point that that clearly there is a demand for this kind of experience, and you know, I like that they're they're designing restaurants for it rather than having those situations where, because here's the problem when you have restaurants that aren't designed to handle that kind of thing, where they're not, you know, they don't, they don't um, have menus that are conducive to it necessarily, then it, it messes their flow up. Right. I mean, there are people who are waiting for reservations because the restaurant is, is built on assumptions of table turns every hour and 15 minutes. And when you stay for two and a half hours, then somebody is waiting in the lobby because they wanted to be seated and they were supposed to be. When they build the restaurant expecting people to linger, then they're not overbooked. They're not backed up. You know, everybody has a better experience. Well, yeah, may I add to that the fact that you've got an incredible view because it is the top of the of the new tower and, and it, you you can see a whole lot from there. So it's it just adds to that experience. So it, it real that's really what it's about is the experience. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and it's yeah. a great people leader. I'm I'm sorry, say that again, Terry. It's a great people leader, right? right. Sure. Leader. Like 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 David said, it it it's designed to to take people out of the parks. But still keep them in Disney. Right. And right. we'll talk about another restaurant here in a little bit that has a similar feel. But if you think Chicken about guys. it, Toledo is going to be a great place to be hanging out at about 9 o'clock most nights. Because mm-hmm. you can look around through the windows of this tower at the top of that restaurant. And you can see fireworks in three parks. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, that's incredible. You know, there are times where times of the year where – for for weeks at a time, you know, you've got three shows all starting at nine o'clock. So, you know, it that that is just you can't get that experience anywhere else. No, you can't. It, it's going to be the next uh, California Grill. It right? has that yeah. potential. Yeah, and but, but it's who's still a moderate resort. Going to play? <laughs> <laughs> um. So, so I guess that that begs us to talk uh, next about uh, Haleo, which is in Disney Springs. It's a uh, Chef Jose Andres restaurant. Um, it, it is sort of probably right now considered the the cream of the crop when it comes to tapas style restaurants. Um, uh, Chef Jose Andres has several of these restaurants all around. I believe the world now, right? There are some that are not even in the United States. Um, has anybody eaten at Haleo yet? I haven't eaten at one, the one at Disney. Uh, I have eaten at a Haleo before, okay. but not the one at Disney. And it's it's great. I mean, it's for me, for, I don't normally like tapas places because I don't like to, like I have to keep a running tally in my head. Okay, how much have we spent? <laughs> okay, order another plate. Uh, but... <laughs> It's worth it. It is. It is very, very, very good food. It's got a fantastic drink menu. I noticed that. Well, he, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to. I but mean, I first things bourbon. first. You know what's yeah. important here. Yeah, let's talk about food. <laughs> uh, but the drink menu is incredible. But everything else on there is is just amazing. I mean, I think my favorite. I'm trying. To, I'm trying to look back and think. 
probably the the pork sausage. I know that's so southern of me, but they've got it, it just. I don't know what it is, but th- their sausage was the best sausage I've ever had before in my life. Yeah, well, they, I mean, they've got a number of pork dishes that, and this is why I don't get to eat at Haleo, right? My wife doesn't do pork at all. Oh, <laughs> oh. so yeah, so it's a challenge. And my Ouch. kids don't do pork at all either. No bacon, no bacon. Nope. I mean, I have it myself when I'm out don't of that. Tell me, having that turkey but, bacon. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's not bacon. But but you know, I look at this menu and and. I mean, okay, so it's 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 the lawyer. In, I haven't practiced law in like three years now, but but it's the lawyer in me that can't help but but look at the fact that they're you know, I, so the, the part of the decor of the restaurant right is that they have these whole Iberico hams that mm-hmm. sort of hang from a rack, right? Because yep. it's a, a dry cured ham, um, and the price of that stuff. I can't help but think of the like special insurance rider they have to carry. Oh my gosh. Just to yeah. cover. Because that's gotta be like five thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars worth of ham. Just hang in there. Just as hang decoration. In there. Just hang Out in there and curing. How how sanitary is that though? <laughs> it, it, it's 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 dry cured, so Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's the way it's supposed to be. Um yeah, there shouldn't be any sanitation issues with it. But I, I mean, and and I haven't had a chance to taste it yet, but I've heard just fantastic things. I mean, literally melt in your mouth, uh, uh, you know, four year cured ham. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I tell you, though, more than anything else, I'm just impressed with the man himself. I, I got the pleasure of um, meeting him and seeing him um, at one of my, uh, well, at my uh, company's annual conference this year he oh, was nice. one of our keynote speakers and uh he talked about uh well of course he was pushing his his book you know we fed an island i think is what it's called uh yeah. and it's about how they went into puerto rico after the hurricane and just started setting up food trucks and just started feeding people that were you know that were hungry that were in need that you know that couldn't get to a store and didn't have any way to cook any food you know and just Hearing him talk about that experience in the first place, I mean, he is such a fantastic humanitarian. But then, you know, to to, to see the the kind of things he he you know puts out in his restaurant, and, and his, he says his wife won't even eat his cooking. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I don't believe it. But I mean, it's just I just have the the most tremendous respect for for Jose Andres. I didn't realize that was the same fella. I I hadn't put the the oh. the two together. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and so I uh, I haven't been there, but I was looking at the menu, going, "Ooh, that's that's a that's a pricey menu." But now knowing that, that's definitely on my list of places I'm going. Well, oh, yeah. And, and the thing is that as you look through it and you see, okay, that's pricey. Realize that I mean, I'm looking at the list of entrees, and as far as I can see, every one of the regular entrees that they list is designed to be shared by two people, right? So, yeah, it looks really expensive because it's you know the grilled whole sea bass is forty six dollars, but it serves two people, and at twenty three dollars a person at a top shelf restaurant. It's now become an inexpensive entree. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You know, I mean, his his ribeye that serves two, that dish is seventy five dollars. But if you got two steaks at another signature restaurant, 
you'd be paying 45, 50 bucks a piece. You bet. Yeah, that's true. So well, really, if, you, if that's the only tapas you get, you're good. Well, I mean, that, that's, that's from the entree menu. I mean, the, the tapas oh, menu okay, yeah, yeah. is, is, is pricey. I mean, it's the same idea, you know, you're going to share them, but I mean, they, their, their tapas menu is huge. They've got like 60 items on their tapas menu. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and, the, and the hard part, of course, with their tapas menu is that a lot of it is market price just because they're, they're serving whatever is fresh and whatever they can get. Um, right. So it's a, a, you know, a little bit more of a, a crapshoot, but again, you can, if you're careful, they've got things on that tapas menu. Sure, there's there's what a thirty six dollar plate of of Iberico ham that's you know five slices of ham for thirty six dollars, and they're paper thin. But there's also a selection of of small plates that are you know nine bucks a piece, ten bucks a piece. So they're not all forty bucks. Right, and I just found the steak that you're talking about. That's a 45-day aged prime certified Angus beef ribeye. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. It's yes, meant please. to serve two or more. Yes, please. <laughs> I'll take that. And who's a fan of paella? I love paella. Yeah. And they, they'll serve it to you by the pan there. Right. Yeah. So I, yeah. it's one of those restaurants that, you know, I couldn't didn't get a chance to go this last trip because I was with the kids. They don't eat right. pork and uh, – there's a lot of this menu that's pork. It's just what has Spanish he done food. wrong, Aaron? <sighs> it's a traditional Jewish thing. Don't even, pork and shellfish. Don't even. But it hasn't been open all that long either. No, it hasn't been open for very long. I, um, I was kidding, by the way, Aaron. I that's okay. <laughs> I know. I get it. I get it. Um, all right. Well, as long as we're down in Disney Springs, um, there's a whole kind of collection of of places that opened sort of as we were dropping off. Um, and so I want to get to, to those. Um, and there's kind of a whole grouping of them. Um, wine bar George, and then sort of right around the corner from wine bar George is the Edison, um, Maria, Maria and, uh, yeah, Maria and Enzo's, Enzo's hideaway, Terralina. They're all kind of grouped together over in that same section of Disney Springs. Um, and we've had some references to them, but, you know, haven't really talked about them, um, in the, in the, overall dining context yet. Uh, I know that, that uh, Eric Anderson, for example, has, has mentioned specifically being, uh, uh, you know, looking forward to, to spending some time with wine bar, George, um, anybody from the group there? I know that we've, we've tried some of these places. Has anybody been to wine bar, wine bar, George yet? Have not been there. And I, I'll be honest, that's not the, a place that I really want to go. I mean, I like a, a wine every now and then, but I'm not all about the whole "give me a wine, give me tw- give me twelve wines." You know, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'll have a wine with dinner, but that's it. Sure. Anybody they else do a, a, a more of a wine aficionado? I mm. will say that, aside from rum and tequila, wine is my next thing. <laughs> Bring it on, then. All right, so at least it's like third on the list, <laughs> right? But. I'm just looking at it in, in Uncle Google here. You see, it's the only wine bar led by a master sommelier. I'm like, oh, that sounds expensive, but it sounds yummy too. What does that mean? Uh, sommelier is a, a wine specialist. And a, a okay. master sommelier means he's completed a, a particular course of study that mm-hmm. sets him apart from most folks as a curator of wine and as somebody who can help you choose, you know, the right wine for a particular 
flavors and and circumstances and things. Okay, it so it's like a master it's very distiller. Well. <laughs> it's like a master distiller at a whiskey or bourbon distillery. Uh, similar. Um, okay. the, the biggest difference is that they tend to have some sort of um, third-party certification involved. So it's not just right. their, based on their experience, but somebody else. I mean, the the, the testing is is ridiculous. Um, oh, wow. It's like, you know, take a sip of this glass and tell us what region it's from, what year it was produced, and what vineyard it came from. Holy crap. All right. Yeah. That specific. I mean, he can tell you, you know, okay, so it's peaty because of the amount of rain that uh, this region got on this particular year. I mean, it's there's so much to it. And that's what makes wow. it fascinating to me. Okay. <laughs> so I'm looking at Master Sommelier George Milotes. It's probably more like Jorge. <laughs> so wine, wine bar Jorge. <laughs> we'll call him George. <laughs> wine bar. Yep. There you go. But, but what I find interesting about it is, you know, it, it's on the one hand, our immediate reactions were to think of it as a sort of frou-frou fine dining type thing. When you look at the menu, you see that they present it as a picnic menu, yeah. right? Or as a, a more casual experience with wine as opposed to necessarily a super high-end fine dining experience, which I think is really interesting. I mean, I guess they kind of have some of, of both things going on, but but they're they've made an effort to make it, you know, a little bit more a little bit more casual, more of a lounge than a formal restaurant. Yeah. Their their entrees are more uh, uh, served two to four, like you say, kind of a more family style or picnic style right. going and along a, with and a, and a lot of appetizers, you know, mm-hmm. big selection of them. Yeah. I was going through their, their brunch menu there. And, um, I guess if you can't get into California grill for Sunday brunch, you could come here. It's going to cost you the same or more and you're going to get less, but the food. You pay for what you get. You pay for what you get. That's that's yeah. what I look at. That's we've got um, a really classy wine bar here in my town that's like that. You know, they serve a lot of tapas, small plates, um, uh, uh, appetizer type things, and they have a huge wine selection. And that's really what it's. It's another one of those things. That's, it's an experience. You go. You don't just go there to you know stuff your tummy and get out. You go there to really experience some things. So, you know, in this case, you've got uh, you know different. Uh, 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 charcuterie boards and and things like that that you can have to go with your wines, but you're also learning about the wines as you try them. And you know, um, my place here has uh, several wine flights that are set up, and they'll they'll educate you on the wines that they're serving you. So you know, it's it's more than just going in for a glass of wine. It's it's an experience, right? Well, and here's one of those things where, and we've talked about this in other contexts before, where. I think sometimes dining at Walt Disney World can be a gateway to a new kind of dining experience for you. So if you've never experienced sort of, for lack of a better way to put it, working with a sommelier, right, <laughs> at, a, at a meal, um, it's a great place to start with it. Um, and and it, it's a different kind of experience. I mean, I love the story. Len Testa tells a great story about working with the sommelier um, at, at Palo. Uh, on Disney Cruise Line, right? Because he he was eating with somebody who was telling him about 
how important the sommelier was and how well-trained, and he just wasn't buying it, basically. And so he decided he wanted to see proof, right? He wanted to see how this really works. And so the sommelier had, had already recommended a wine with their, with their meal, and it was fantastic, and he really loved it. So Len calls him back over and says, okay, here's the deal. Don't worry about it. I'm going to pay for it regardless, but I want you to bring us the worst possible match for this meal. Find us the wine that would be the exact opposite of the wine we should have with this meal. Because he wanted to see, did it really make a difference? And the small A comes back, says, okay, if you're really sure. <laughs> and Whatever. Just don't get mad at me. Exactly. <laughs> and he said, I mean, he likes wine. This was the most vile thing he'd ever put in his mouth. And the thing is that it was like a, you know, $50 bottle of wine. With the with different pairings, it would have been fantastic. But with hmm. the particular things they were having, it was awful. It brought out all of the worst characteristics of that wine. So you know, it, it, it's that opportunity to to see how that works without, I and mean, you don't have to go to that extreme, but it, it's that opportunity to see how that works, to to experience a professional who really knows their field, you know, teaching you something that you can take home with you. And you, you, you if you've not really ever uh, participated in a wine tasting, it's, it's really fascinating how... Uh, uh, who all did this last year? DDCC seven with us at um, when, uh, when we went over to um, yeah, Animal King in Hico. Yeah, it was amazing because you could eat the very same food that's in front of you, but tasting it with this wine versus that wine. You know, this wine enhanced the flavor. That wine t- took it away completely, and it's yeah. it's it's fascinating. Guess guess who was on the uh, opening team at Gico? Who was on the opening team? Ron Rupert, the executive chef at Wine Bar George. Hmm. There you go. <laughs> funny how things work out, isn't it? It is funny how those things work out. Um, you know, of those others, we've had some mixed reviews of of the, and I, it's kind of a complex, right? You've got um, the Edison, uh, Maria and Enzo's, and Enzo's Hideaway that are all, I think they're all owned by the same person, same company, and they're all kind of linked together there. Um, of the three, I, I think... If I'm remembering correctly, all of us would would agree that we like the Edison experience the best of the three. Would that be true? Hands down, hands down. Yeah, of the three. Yeah. Yes. All right. So, so Terry, talk to us about your experiences with with you know any or all of the three, and and why the Edison is so much better experience. Well, first of all. The Edison has DB clothesline candied bacon, which <laughs> is the best bacon I have ever had in my life. It's phenomenal. Now, they've moved the price up to $16 <laughs> from the last time I was there. And the bacon's a little smidgen thinner than it used to be. <laughs> but it is still the best bacon I've ever had. And everything, see, we were there, I was there last week with uh, five other people, so six of us, and we all ordered something different other than the candied bacon, which we all partook of, 
and uh, every meal was phenomenal. Well, I went against my uh, the uh, server's recommendation, and I went with the burger of the month, which was a, a, a Cuban-style burger, which mm-hmm. I think um, um, Oscar would who <laughs> would. <laughs> <laughs> And it 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 was not the uh, best choice, but again, I went against uh, uh, Michael Gabriel's uh, suggestion of of going with something else. So, um, so they, they tried it, to help you. You just refused they, to help. They did, and one of the best servers we've ever had. Uh, phenomenally entertaining. Uh, the meal was fantastic. And then, you know, the shows start, right? At uh, 9 o'clock, 9, 9.30, the, the band starts playing. You get, uh, you get different shows in between the band sets, whether it be jugglers or magicians. Um, this time we had burlesque dancers. It's, it's, it's not your grandfather's Disney. Um, <laughs> For sure. And the place <laughs> packs on the weekend. It, it was oh busy, yeah, just hopping. It was Saturday night, and it was hopping. Now, oh, yeah. not most people weren't dressed up, but that's August in Florida. Sure, you're not going to dress to the nines like like the uh, um, people will in October, November. You know, sure. Um, but still, you, you there there was a, a handful around that are dressed up and varying from steampunk to uh you know flapper uh kind of era um phenomenal experience highly highly recommend it so anything you want to add to that dave no i i just when you said the bacon that's the one thing that comes to mind when i'm thinking about it uh just that the way they they do the bacon it's almost like a uh what's wrong the the Stonehenge bacon thing, and they put it in a little the little glass, right? No, 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 no. Oh, is that what? No, I've 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 done the 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 smoked bacon, like the chocolate smoked bacon at at Jock Lindsay's. That's right. With, Sorry, with the whole smoking. I, I I get that some people might like that, but that is a manufactured smoke. Um, it it did everything to uh, that, that manufactured smoke makes the whole bacon almost unpalatable. I mean, I still ate it. Really? It's bacon and chocolate, but, <laughs> <laughs> still <ate> it. <laughs> but, but it's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum from the, from the uh, uh, hanger bacon that you get at the Edison, which is fantastic. And, oh, and right. they, they give you a jam as well. Right. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's you've got it. Thick bacon, uh, cooked, candied, and then there's a jam that you you put on it as well. And it, that, in and of itself, is worth going there. But the rest of the food is also fantastic, and the desserts are, yeah, the dessert <laughs> desserts live up to the name too. I I don't know how one place can can hit it so well on every level. You know, from from uh, food drinks. Desserts, entertainment, and service. Well, let's ask you this: uh, I've, I haven't had the pleasure of going to the Edison a lot, uh, but anytime I'm at Disney, I'm usually with my kids. 
is that a place that I would feel comfortable bringing my daughters? I'm glad you asked because I ate there with my kids this last trip. Um, and the restaurant is a remarkably different place at seven o'clock when I eat there and at nine o'clock when Terry was there. Yeah. Now when, when I, when I say burlesque dancers, I mean, we're, we're, we're not talking, you know, like they're still fully, fully clothed. Right. (laughs) I would hope. Right. Um, (laughs) It is Disney. But it, I, Aaron, did uh, did uh, Jonathan and Michaela like that? Well, I was just going to say, I, that may have been our favorite meal the whole trip. It was where we ate our first night. Um, absolutely everything we ordered. Everybody liked their food. John had the smallest complaint about the uh, – he, he got the fish and chips. His, his small complaint was that the chips were too peppery. Okay? That's hmm. a personal – you know, preference thing. They weren't objectively ridiculously peppery, but they were a little too peppery for him. The fish he loved. Um, my daughter had uh, a steak or had the, um, oh, now I'm going to have to look at the menu. It was either a steak or a prime rib. Did they have a prime rib? I think it was the prime rib. Yeah. Uh, they've got the queen's okay. cut. Yep. Rib. That was what it was. It was She had the prime rib. It was fantastic. It was cooked perfectly. It was, you know, cut it with a butter knife tender. Um, uh. She loved it. I was feeling like I wasn't really all that, you know, I didn't want something that heavy. So I got the, the, um, grilled cheese and tomato soup. Oh my God. I would like go have that every day. Really? It was the best grilled cheese and, and tomato soup I've maybe ever had. Now, that, that That's funny because, uh, Joe masters had the prime rib and his daughter, Ariel, had the tomato soup <laughs> and, and grilled cheese, and they both uh, raved about them. Yeah. And, and that, that grilled cheese, like, okay, you take a loaf of bread, and then you cut it the wrong way. Right, exactly. Well, it's like, that's it's what not, they it, use as the place. Like, yeah. it, it's a loaf of bread long. Right, right. <laughs> it's huge. And, and it's got like three or four different cheeses in there and they just blend perfectly. And, you know, just like the good Lord intended, you dip it in that, in that tomato soup and Uh all of those flavors just work together. Like the soup is, is just the right acidity level to cut the, the fat and the cheese and the, the, you know, the well-buttered, uh, bread. Oh, just fantastic. Um, I, I can't say enough positive about it. Great experience, similar experience with the the servers, you know, attentive but not annoying, um, and, and just a fun atmosphere. Um, you know, even though the entertainment stuff hadn't started yet at 7 o'clock, there's old cartoons playing on the video screens um, that and are— Directly on the walls, too. Yeah, that are, you know, bizarre and different, and, and um, as my son put it, well— I like the decor. There's not not quite enough random gears without a purpose. It needs more <laughs> random gears without a purpose. I agree so, with Jonathan on that. It, my first trip into the Edison, I thought it would be uh, a little more steampunkish than right. it is. Yeah, um, but still an enjoyable experience. Yeah. So, is this Disney's response to Tusum? I, I think that it's a similar design aesthetic, at least. But I think the food's much better. I've eaten it to some as well. And I thought the food at, at uh, D 
the Edison was was much better. Okay. So as long as we're talking about the food, we should talk a little bit at least about uh, you know Maria and Enzo's and Enzo's Hideaway because it's all the same kitchen. At least is mm-hmm. my understanding. But I think that the reaction to the food has been quite different. Um, you know, Tim, have you done multiple of these restaurants? Actually, I have. I've done both Mario and Enzo's and the Hideaway. Okay, I thought and, so. Um, yeah, and while the entrees I thought were really better than pedestrian, uh, the desserts actually left a lot uh, to be desired. I think the um, uh, the Hideaway is probably the more interesting place. You go in and it's like um, all these stone walls, and you're like underground and wondering what in the world, where am I? And all of a sudden, oh, here's the host desk, and and you go into this room, and it's it's the, the big underground and right. you know it's like you said the food there is the same downstairs as as it is upstairs it's just a, a more interesting experience in my mind uh, but you can you know you, you can order your 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 food as you like it or you can have um in our in our particular experience we had family style dining where they just brought out big uh plates of different things and we got to pass it all around and try it everything and it, like i said it was pretty good it was better than uh, your everyday, you know, Italian joint at the corner. Sure. Um, okay. Anything to write home about? No, not really. Yeah. I'm, oh. I'm, oh, go ahead, Dave. I don't mean to be the, the disagreeer here tonight, but I, I ate there, uh, I guess it was February of last year. And to me, I'd rather have a meal at Olive Garden. <laughs> Ooh, ouch. I mean... <laughs> The food okay. wasn't much to write home about. Maybe it was the fact that my daughter, we paid $15 for a kid's spaghetti, and she didn't eat any of it. But I I, I had the, the chicken parmesan, and my chicken was dry. And, and it just wasn't as, as good as I, I would want an Italian place to be. Well, and the hard part is that there's so many Italian choices at Walt Disney World these days. You can't be the second shelf. Right, right. So, Would I much rather be at Trattoria Al Forno? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. even if it's not at the character breakfast, <sighs> right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know you got a thing for Flynn Rider, but <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> be careful! He hit you with the smolder. Yeah, yeah. Here, here comes the smolder. No, I, uh, I think I made a mistake. I, I kind of uh, stepped away from the Edison's conversation, but that's because when uh, when my wife and I went there, we only went in for uh, for drinks like around 8 o'clock. So it was kind of after the dinner hour and before uh, the show, as right. it were, started. And I was less than impressed, personally. I mean, the, there were some different and interesting drinks on the menu, but it's not anything I would, you know, I, I would rush right back for. And, and that's kind of how I feel about Mario and Enzo's too. It, it's that's a place to get your tummy full if you're hungry, but is is it a place I would rush right back to? No. No, I mean I think that's a good point. That that I think you want to either be there for dinner and you know get to experience the food because I think the food's excellent, or you want to come a little later and experience the sort of nightclub atmosphere, and you kind of got caught in the tweener position. Exactly. Yeah. Wrong time, wrong wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, but uh, well, yeah, like so I said, Enzo's Hideaway just gives you a little bit better uh, aesthetic experience, but the food is no better. It's no different. So I had one more sort of Disney Springs new experience to to 
talk about here a little bit. Um, and that's CityWorks, which is one of the sort of most recent openings um, in Disney Springs. I did not get a chance to get down there for it. Uh, has anybody eaten at CityWorks yet? Went by there. We didn't. Uh, we didn't actually stop in, but I was really impressed with um, uh, all the beers that they had. So if you're a beer guy, this is definitely a place to go check out because uh, they have a whole bunch. The only place I can think of that had more beer taps than that was a place I was in in Nashville once. That had it was an underground a cellar kind of bar that had more than a hundred beers on tap. I oh, think wow. there's 80, 80 some odd taps. Uh, and I don't think it's been open for very long. So we'll be, we'll be looking forward to somebody coming back and, you know, having the full story for us on, on CityWorks. Cause it does look like a, a, the first real dedicated craft beer destination at Walt Disney World. I mean, baseline tap house is fine, but it's limited because it's in a, in a uh, theme park and it's really only got about half a dozen beers. Um, so it's good to see that there's someplace that's, that's, digging in and giving us a broader range i'm looking at the the website disney world's website right now and it still says coming soon so i don't think oh, it's open okay. yet so it may not have even been up but so see, well, there, you, there we go that, tim what you saw was the, they were just they were setting up you know ah, getting yeah. still getting things finished up that's yeah okay good point so maybe yeah so maybe there was some soft opening going on or something at most but okay oh, cool. so we'll be looking forward to that one and hopefully we'll get some feedback on it soon um yeah you know, maybe they'll open soon. And I know Dave Jewart is on his way down there in the next week or so. So there you go, Dave, you're listening. Go check and see if it's open yet. We need a couple of beer hands on, on some, some pictures here. That's right. Um, all right. So the, the last Disney Springs restaurant on my list here that we needed to talk about is, um, chicken guy, the, uh, like a better place, the word for it. It's the chicken nugget place. Um, guy Dave, you reminded me to get it on the list. So talk to us about chicken guy. The only thing my daughters will eat right now is chicken and chicken fingers. Uh, and that's all they serve here. And what I like about it is Guy Fieri opens this restaurant and says, the only thing you're going to spend here, the most you will spend at my restaurant on food is $7.99. It's $7.99 for a tray of chicken fingers. And then you got to buy a Coke and fries and all that. But I like the fact that Guy Fieri is opening up a inexpensive, quote unquote, Disney inexpensive restaurant where you get good food. And and Guy Fieri, you know, makes good food. We're going to throw Planet Hollywood out because that's not Guy Fieri's menu. Uh, but everything that they have on that menu is incredible for Chicken Guy. We've eaten there before and it was amazing. And you go, I think they have something like 29 different dipping sauces you can eat, you can choose from. I've only had a couple of them because I'm I'm a basic guy. Give me the donkey sauce, give me ranch. But it's it's an incredible place to eat and it's very very kid friendly. And it's it's better food than a, a McDonald's chicken fingers. Sure. Yeah, I mean I I'll give it all the credit for being uh, you know, affordably priced, kid friendly. Looks like plenty of good options, you know, from a basic palate, they do creative stuff and and that's great to see. Um, and it's a nice alternative, right? It's something other than, I mean, it's one thing to have all these great Michelin or not Michelin star, but, uh, James Beard award winning chefs in Disney Springs. It's nice that there's something for somebody who's not looking for a James Beard award winning chef. Sometimes you want something more than Earl of sandwich. Right. Exactly. Um, that's still now, along the order of diners, dive-ins and drives, right? Dri- right. Drive it, drive it, DDD, whatever the heck it is. Yeah. <laughs> have some something with yeah. lots of flavor. Yes. 
you know, brings to town lots of flavor, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, now, I'm curious, has anybody had one of their milkshakes yet? Because I'm curious how they match up with the, the milkshakes from Deluxe Burger. Yeah, if I'm going to get a milkshake, I'm going to Deluxe. Okay. So the, the smoked bacon chocolate shake is still the, uh, the leader oh, of the pack? Yes. <laughs> Hands down. All right. Well, I only had one other, you know, new opening restaurant here, and and none of us have eaten at it yet. We've talked about it a little bit on the show um, in the past couple of weeks because it's one of those, you know, new things at Walt Disney World, and we've been in that mode. But it bears mentioning again, um, we have a brand new uh, signature dining experience that is opened in the Japan Pavilion. Um, and... I mean, the buzz about it, uh, about Takumete, is that that it's a legitimate competitor in, in a lot of ways to Victorian Albert. So, I heard, yeah. Tell her about that place because she, she loves the food in Japan and uh, I, I want to keep keep a few dollars in my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> it, it looks amazing. Like that, the, the menu looks amazing, and and I have no doubt that it it would be a competitor for. Well, I I, I don't know if it can really compete with Victorian Alberts. Victorian Alberts is the best food I have ever had in my life. Um, as a one time experience, that's you know. That's phenomenal, but at you know three hundred and some dollars a head, if you do the wine pairings, which you have to do, um, there, this this might be a more affordable alternative for well, me. I mean, you raise an interesting point because it it does have a somewhat similar approach, right? I mean, it's you can you can go to Takumete, and they do have a regular menu, but the real sort of signature element of Takumete is the tasting menu. And you, you pay $130 a person. Uh, it's another $75 if you want the, the beverage pairings. So about, you know, what, uh, $205 per person for the, the full package. Um, but it's a traditional Japanese uh, omakase-type menu where you get what the chef prepared. <laughs> and the only promise is that it's all going to be fantastic. See, I'm going to be Debbie Downer again. My wife and my daughter are both very picky eaters. So for somebody that's a very picky eater, that's not the type of place that they'd want to go. Oh, of course not. But that's just it. I mean, so that you take them to 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 Tepanetto, you take them even to Tokyo Dining, but but Takumite is is a particular kind of experience. That's true. Now, I'm looking at the website, and there's, there's a dress code, just like Monsieur Paul. Yeah. Right. Oh. Now, that's real Wagyu uh, beef, too. Yeah. That, that they're using. Not, not not what everybody sells as Wagyu right. beef. Right, not American beef. Wagyu. Pseudo-Wagyu. <laughs> it's, it's the real stuff. So so I definitely understand the pricing. And there well, is a real can... <laughs> You can get real Wagyu beef at uh, Morimoto. Can't you? Uh, they've, it has appeared okay. on the menu. I don't know that they always have it. 
Okay. There, uh, six years ago, was as the Wagyu beef fad spread across North America and everybody had it on the menu, um, there were five places in North America that served actual Wagyu beef. That's oh. spread now. But, you know, hundreds of places saying they had it, but f- only five in, in all of North America had actual Wagyu beef. So m- most of what we eat is knockoff. Very good knockoff, but knockoff. <laughs> but th- this will be the actual stuff. Okay. Man, I'm hungry. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> we're recording this way too late for me to be hungry. Okay, I, I will I will say Morimoto does put it. It, it is on Morimoto's menu. Morimoto is listing Japanese A5 Wagyu beef. So, yeah. At 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 twenty four dollars an ounce. Holy crap! <laughs> so uh, yeah, it 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 runs. You know, it, it gives uh, uh, Haleo's uh, ham, you know, Iberico ham, a, a run for its money. Yeah, but uh, Tukumite is not going to be everybody's taste, right? It's not what it's intended to be. It's a small restaurant. It's designed to be a an exclusive experience. It's designed to be something. I mean, it's not something you're even going to do every trip, even if you love that kind of food. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, it's a special occasion. It's a unique experience. It's a, you know, do it as a graduation thing with your kid, right. As a, a worldly experience kind of thing. Cause it's a safe place to do that kind of thing. Um, but, but, the good news to me is that they're doing it right. Like all of the reviews say, yes, it's legit. It's not, you know, it's not a wannabe restaurant. It's, it's legitimately this good. It's legitimately worth it. It's legitimately offering this unique high-end experience. Uh, And there's no other theme park that I know of in the world that's doing that right now. Yeah, I don't, I don't know of any right now that does anything better than Disney does when it comes to food, theme park wise, at least. So, so just to kind of wrap up, um, there are a few places that are sort of right on the horizon that are worth mentioning, um, just to kind of wet people's appetites for, pun fully intended. Um, <laughs> as long as we're at Epcot, we should mention the, the space restaurant that we keep getting hints is going to open sooner than anyone expects. So, Anybody want to take a stab at when they think we're going to get this uh, space restaurant opening next to Mission Space? My guess would be sometime in the next six months. I'm, okay. I'm get- so Dave says Dave says it opens in the next six months, which means that it would be open. Uh, let's see, it's August, February. Okay, so it wouldn't be open for this Christmas season, but it would be open before next spring. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they okay. want to knock some kinks off of it before you open for the busy season, quote unquote. Fair enough. When, what do you think, Terry? When are they knocking down? Um, is it east or west? Which one are they bringing down? Because uh, when well. when they do that, they're <laughs> they're probably going to have that restaurant open. Uh, to, That's to, a good point. And, and it would be, I think East comes down, which would be on the right side. Or I'm sorry, no, West would come down because that's the right side. So that would mean that that um, opening the new restaurant on the opposite side would probably be a good thing. It would pull crowd that direction. Yeah. 
and they're knocking down uh they're closing the electric umbrella for refurbishment here pretty soon too if i remember that's correctly so right, sad. right that's true Man. i know oh, no <laughs> not that on the witch's <laughs> <laughs> um, uh yeah i i i think um sooner rather than later is is the way of thinking. And I think that all the things we're talking about are exactly why um, Epcot's going to be a construction zone and they just need places to put people and to steer people away from where the thickest, you know, uh, uh, construction congestion is coming from. But um, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like uh, it's a really interesting concept. Um, it's good to see a restaurant, a high concept restaurant coming to future world instead of all of this being in, in, World Showcase. Um, I'm a little interested that they're getting the restaurant open ahead of the new attractions opening in Future World, but I okay. think they're just trying to pull crowd into Future World just to pull crowds into Future World. Fair I enough. mean, it could possibly be that it opens with the the Ratatouille ride, so you have a draw to the front of the park and the back of the park. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I think if they can, they'd love to have it open by this holiday season just to for capacity reasons. Yeah. Um, Epcot always has problems with restaurant capacity around the holidays because of the the um, candlelight processional. And they just they're always overbooked. So having another table service restaurant available um, when they're in the teeth of that would be nice. But I think that that's probably a little wishful thinking. I'm on the pessimist side of that. I'm thinking uh, Flower and Garden Festival. So right. April-ish? Yeah. Yeah, March, April. That's what I'm thinking. Um, but that's just me being a pessimist. The other, <laughs> so the other one that's interesting to me, uh, as long as we're talking about new theme park restaurants, uh, is right around the corner we'll have new restaurants opening in Galaxy's Edge. Now, no table service dining to speak of, really. Um, you've got Oga's Cantina, which is really more of a lounge. And then you've got quick service at um, uh, Docking Bay 7 and uh, Ronto Roasters. And the the milk stand. <laughs> now, anybody have any comments they want to make sort of prospectively about dining in Galaxy's Edge? License to print money. <laughs> All I care about is give me some blue milk. As long as it's got some Distad's water in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just it. You can, you know, because it's at Hollywood Studios, you can order it with it. You know, there's an adult version available. Um, you don't have to supply your own. <laughs> I'm looking at the food here, and I see at uh, at Docking Bay 7, they have a rib. But then it also says it's served with a blueberry corn muffin. That sounds a little interesting to me. Why would, why would you put blueberries in a muffin? In a corn muffin. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's more just sort of as a single-serving cornbread kind of thing. So it's a blueberry cornbread, but... Yeah. Now, I I yeah. am all about going to Ogle's Cantina and, and having uh, DJ Rex play some, some tunes. So... Yeah, I th I, yeah, I think all the, all the reviews from the Disneyland opening are sounding really good. Um, and... Any issues, I think they're going to be fixing. Um, there are some nice little uh, 
uh, twist to the Disney World menu, um, rum, um, <laughs> which will be nice. But, uh, I, I think everybody's looking forward to it. I don't care what I eat. Just get me in Galaxy's Edge. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I, mean, I don't want to go anywhere near there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I mean, I'm weird. I want to be there opening day. I mean, I I just I want to be there just in case I, I rub what rub elbows with I don't know Mark Hamill or or somebody showing up on opening day over at uh, at Florida. Uh, Iger will be there, of course. Well, I have I have some choice words I mean, for Iger. <laughs> I, I just like that that. You know, Disneyland's been open for a while and, and they've stayed true to the concept, right? They've, they've gone all in with the theming and they've stuck with it and they're not bailing on it. So, you know, they're, they're doing good food, different food, creative food that fits the theme and, and they're sticking to it. And so that, that's all the good things. That's what I wanted to see from Galaxy's Edge. So I say, you know, wins all around. I want to forget I'm in Disney when I go into Galaxy's Edge. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then the the last restaurant that I, I wanted to at least mention is, um, you know, we've got another uh, another resort hotel that's on the brink of opening at Walt Disney World. Um, Disney's Riviera Resort opens December 16th, and um, they're going to be bringing uh, a new restaurant called Topolini's Topolino's Terrace. Um, and we don't know a whole lot about it yet because it's brand new. It hasn't opened. But what we do know is that it's French and Italian Riviera cuisine, rooftop views, and a classic character breakfast. Classic character? So, we, so Fab Five? Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse. Donald oh, Duck I thought Daisy. you were talking about Queer Eye. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so not so not Pluto, but Daisy. Okay, right, not Pluto, but Daisy. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting to me, right, that they went with the with that that core. They call they're calling them Disney friends, mm. right? So Mickey and Minnie and Donald and Daisy, the two couples. Mm, so not even Goofy. Um, right, not even Goofy. Huh. So sort of a different twist on the Fab Four, um, a a very traditional breakfast, an interesting setting too. Um, and remember that this is going to be on the, uh, you know, on the Skyliner right. route. So it's sort of a, a character meal that could be done like on your way to Epcot. Yeah, so it'd be a, an alternative to Garden Grill. Right. Another character yes. breakfast right there. Yeah. Another people eater. True. Yeah. So that's what they're trying to do. This one serves Bellinis and Bloody Marys. So (laughs) it, I think it's probably going to do well just from its location. The the character is is, so the character is just breakfast, right? Because it 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 does breakfast. Right. The characters are only at breakfast. Yeah. Uh, And they're actually referring to. so, so dinner, there, there are a couple of interesting things happening at this resort. So you've got the, uh, the character breakfast, and then they're doing a New Year's Eve event there, which is interesting to me because it's only going to have been open for like two weeks, yeah. but 
they're doing a big New Year's Eve event there um, with, you know, a dress code and $550 a person. You're rich for my blood. Um, well, so yes. here's the thing, right? It's, it's this, you know, tapas style buffet feast, um, artisanal cheeses, chilled seafood, handcrafted pastas, French and Italian specialties, imported chocolates. I mean, you know, high end dining experience, but remember, this is going to be somewhat similar to what you've got going on at Grand Destino, right? Topolino's up high, um, at Riviera, my guess is that from that terrace there, you'll be able to see New Year's Eve fireworks at both Magic Kingdom and Epcot. Yeah. And it will be the new fireworks at Epcot. Yep. Right. Um, so. Uh, the, well, yeah. Pe- pe- people are going to buy it. <laughs> It'll sell out. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just having um, difficulty trying to uh wrap my head around the 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 radically different menus you know uh, a character breakfast uh but then dinner switches to to a real foodie um undoubtedly high end uh meal you know um well okay so here's here's a look at their sample menu the the breakfast menu is it's traditional, but it's it's a f- bit of a foodie twist on a lot of things, right? So it's a, a quiche gruyere, um, sour cream waffles with roasted apples, chantilly cream, orange maple syrup, um, smoked bacon, ham sausage, or plant-based sausage, which isn't sausage. Um, yeah, that's, no, you don't call that sausage. <laughs> uh, you know, smoked salmon, spice sausage hash. Eggs any style with roasted potatoes and bacon, um, wood-fired butcher's steak, um, Bloody Mary's, Mosa, Bellini. So that's the breakfast menu. Um, The dinner menu, the regular dinner menu, is, you know, a a sort of a a foodie, just like it was described, Italian and French menu. Yeah. so it it is going after the um the the foodie high end Disney fanatic who's you know yeah, just 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 looking so. at the the little twists with with things like the the painter's palette dessert for supper for dinner which is a milk chocolate Mickey Mouse strawberries cookie um right. you know which I I imagine is going to look absolutely phenomenal. Right, but it's also on the same menu with warm Valrona chocolate cake and apple tart tatin. So yeah, like well, what I'm saying is 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 just with the name of that, it, you, you're not talking about just just a just a cookie. This is going to be a, a very artistic right. piece, and um, yeah, it's uh, definitely going to. I I, I think. It's interesting because I think now you've you're you're getting um, with the restaurant in in Japan and this one I think are going to be is going to be uh, looking to go after that just that crowd just slightly under Victoria and Alberts. Yeah, to some extent. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't push Topolino's Terrace 
too far that direction. I, I think you're right. I think it's a little more foodie. But again, remember, this is a, you know, it's a DVC resort. It's a, it's a deluxe, uh, you know, deluxe suite property. Um, it, it's, it's a higher end audience in the first place. Um, and what I like is that even though we've got, you know, even though there's some Italian elements on the menu, it's, it's still very different from the Italian that you've got in other places just because it's more, more Mediterranean, um, or more, you know, yeah, more, I'm saying this wrong. In any case, you, you're seeing a lot more of the French influences in it. Um, and, I just, I think it's going to be enough different and enough unique. It's, it actually looks to me, the menu looks more similar to like what was at Monsieur Paul than it looks like, uh, uh, Tutorial Forno. Right. For lack of a better way to explain it. Right. Okay. It'll be worth a try anyway. And again, should have interesting views, although they are saying, um, um, Epcot and Hollywood Studios fireworks, not Magic Kingdom. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit too far away from Magic Kingdom, probably. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, so we've had a, a good time talking through a you know, pretty good range here of, of new restaurant experiences that are coming up. So for our kind of uh, wrap-up round robin, after the discussion, after we've talked about all these things, which of these things that we've talked about that you haven't done yet are you most excited to do? Right. Which of these are you most excited to try? Um, Terry, which of these that you haven't experienced yet are you most excited to try? Or hanger bacon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, the, um, uh, some of those tablet places sound really interesting to me and, and, and that there and, uh, 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 Haleo. Was that Haleo? Sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Haleo. Haleo. I right. think, I think that's, uh, that's, definitely on my uh, hit list here next. Okay. So Terry's all in with Haleo. How about I'm you, I'm also in for Haleo. All right. Two votes for Haleo. Dave, what are you most excited about? Being from the Rocket City, I think I would fail most of my family and my friends if I didn't say the space restaurant. <laughs> uh, we don't even know what's going to be on the menu. Oh, we don't even have a ma- menu. Yeah. No, we don't even know the menu, but just the theming of space, it, it just... It's been near and dear to my, my family and my heart for my entire life living in Huntsville. So give me the space restaurant. Well, I'm going to go with, with Toledo, um, Haleo light is, as I'm <laughs> thinking of it. Um, the combination of, of the tapas and the views really is, is what does it for me. And the fact that the chances are a little better that I'll be able to find things that the rest of my family will eat. Um, definitely better than but, Haleo. Uh, all in all, you know, the one thing I think we can say is that we're continuing to see Walt Disney world continue to, to up its game when it comes to food. Mm -hmm. And we're just seeing more and more quality restaurants. And I think there was some concern as the quality levels were going up that, that, you know, we'd start to see some stratification, right? The, the places that couldn't pull it off would just sort of fall back. And I think we're looking at you, Tony. So far, for the most part, we haven't seen that happen. That they've just changed over and tried again. Uh, I don't know, Terry. You sound like you disagree with me. No, that that was me, Dave. But we're oh, looking Dave. at you, Tony's Magic Kingdom. <laughs> Come on, step up the game. Well, that's because Tony's needs to be nuked from space so they can start <laughs> over. Well, they better step it up. They are. They will have to. Yeah. 
Well, it's true. This is true. All right. Uh, anybody else have any closing thoughts? I'm just happy to see so many new options coming up. I mean, I, I, I like food. What can I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like it, well, too. You know, <laughs> hey, what is it that our buddies over at Disney Food Blog say? Food is an amusement park. Yes. Right? People keep talking about Disney building the fifth park. They've already done it. It's food. Yeah, I agree with them. Well, yeah. just all the changes in, in Disney Springs over the last few years is is just evidence of that. They're just, you know, so many new and interesting places. You don't like this kind of food here. Try that place. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's it's becoming easier and easier to uh to go down, have uh absolutely incredible time and never step foot in the park. <laughs> right, which is which is I, ideally from Disney's standpoint, that's what they'd love. They'd love if 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 the parks were 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 very close to capacity, and the springs was very close to capacity, and all the resorts were very close to capacity. Right, yeah. so so right. they're 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 starting to get a good balance there, and uh, we're all the better for it. If 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 not heavier for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know, you've heard our take on the new dining coming and that has been coming online at Walt Disney World lately. We'd love to hear your thoughts. What are you liking about the changing dining atmosphere at Walt Disney World? Um, you know, what do you think is still missing? What kind of food would you like to see that isn't there already? Tell us about it. You can uh, visit us on on can find us on our blog disdads.com visit us on facebook at facebook.com slash disdads podcast you can also tweet at us on twitter at disdads podcast or send us an email still respond the good old-fashioned way of podcast at disdads.com until next time i've been aaron ripmaster with tim hicks great to be back on the podcast terry hawkins yeah welcome back and sayonara guys i'm going to make some bacon <laughs> and Dave Adams and Dave before you say goodbye how's your relaunch going, going well I was actually going to do a self plug if, if you would have let me uh, yeah Please. but uh, if you want to hear more about me and my adventures at Disney and my, my buddy and my our adventures of just doing a bunch of stuff check out Unrelated at Birth anywhere you listen to podcasts but it's going great Aaron thanks for asking Sure. And hey, if you're enjoying Diz Dads talking about our park experiences, you know, Terry is up to his elbows in uh, another experiment, another uh, experience, a little bit, a little bit different, incorporating some video. But, uh, you know, Terry, you might as well give a little plug. When's, when's the next Rum Ramblings going to hit the airwaves? That's a very good question. <laughs> Not going to be this week, but uh, but hopefully next week uh, we'll be back into a regular schedule here with uh, with rum with our rum ramblings, and uh, we're going to be introducing some some new stuff there. It won't be just about the uh, convention, so that's all awesome. good. Makes me feel well, like a slacker. See... <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll we'll just have to get you on this show more often, right. Tim. But, uh, yeah, you know, we love highlighting and bringing attention to uh, the great content being created by the members of the Diz Dads community, whether it's on this show or in other places. So um, give it a listen. Check it out. It's always a lot of fun. Um, thanks again for joining us. Our outro music is Whiskey on the Mississippi by Kevin McLeod. 
Kevin makes his music available under the Creative Commons license by attribution on his website, incompetech.com. Thanks for the music, Kevin. 